Hello there and happy Tuesday. My name is Francis and I love music. Love it. And movies. Movies and music. And the music used in movies. And TV. I'm the friend who notices the music used in the media constantly to the point that my friends think of me immediately, if and when they notice it themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Needle Drops That Will Change Your Life. What is a needle drop? I'm so glad you asked. Wikipedia defines a needle drop as the use of an existing recording rather than an original score in a film. I'd also add television or honestly, any other form of media, video games, movie trailers, and more. For example, any of the songs I discuss on this very podcast. Why should you care about my thoughts on needle drops? Well, I'm a great person, obviously, but other than that, being a music supervisor is my dream job. But I'm stuck in Texas where there aren't a ton of opportunities for me to get into that industry. So I'm dipping my toe into the world of podcasting to discuss the incredible work that music supervisors do. What do they do? Well, let me tell you. According to the Berklee College of Music, music supervisors artfully select and license pre-existing songs and recordings for use in movies, television shows, and video games. Today we're stealing the Tesseract from the Avengers again and meeting the Time Variance Authority as we start our look at the needle drops in Season 1 of Loki on Disney+. Loki is my absolute favorite of the Disney Plus Marvel shows. I think it's safe to say it's easily in everyone's top three in the show rankings and in overall MCU rankings. It's likely in the top tier of all 40 some odd entries. Aside from my love of Tom Hiddleston, the music, needle drops, and the score in season one of Loki are fantastic. As we head for October in season two of Loki, I thought it would be nice to catch up with our favorite tricksters, Loki and Sylvie, and think about the use of music in the series so far. Music supervisor for the show is the great Dave Jordan, founder and CEO of Format Entertainment. Format has grown into the largest collection of theatrical and television music supervisors in the world. Format's clients are some of the most recognizable names in entertainment, media, advertising, and consumer brands, including names such as Marvel Studios, Warner Consumer Products, and Spin Master. Format has been Marvel Studios' exclusive music department since 2000, having worked on all 32 films and nine Disney Plus shows, playing an integral role in the universe since inception. In addition, Format has worked on campaigns for brands such as Mattel's iconic Barbie, and Spin Master's Global Sensation, Paw Patrol, as well as Netflix, ESPN, Amazon, T-Mobile, and many others. Dave Jordan began his career working for record labels, but soon transitioned to become one of Hollywood's most sought-after theatrical music supervisors. His success has ranked him as the top-grossing music supervisor in film history, and he serves on the Los Angeles Board of Governors for the Grammy Committee, contributing to the advocacy, education, and human service programs to improve the cultural condition and quality of life for music and its makers. He received an NAACP Image Award for his work on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Shannon Murphy is a co-music supervisor for Loki. She was the music coordinator for credits such as Vacation, Daddy's Home, Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. She is also the co-music supervisor for WandaVision, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier, and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. It looks like she left format about this time last year, 
after being with the company for seven years. Raven Davenport is also credited as a music coordinator. She is also with Format Entertainment. She is a gifted, classically trained clarinetist, and she has always been fascinated by the way music enhances the art of storytelling. Her recent projects include working on the multicultural original soundtrack for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, featuring the Oscar nominee for Best Song, Lift Me Up by Rihanna. She also co-supervised Netflix's Love in the Villa, the Italian rom-com for which Raven was nominated for a Guild of Music Supervisors Award. She has also worked on an array of high-profile TV shows made by Marvel Studios for Disney+, Plus, including She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and Hawkeye. And she is co-supervising the second season of I Am Groot, a group of animated shorts featuring Baby Groot. Martin Maiko, Maiko, Miko, Maiku, I'm sorry, M-Y-C-O-O, Martin. He is also a music supervisor at Format Entertainment. He worked on the Emmy award-winning Marvel TV series Moon Knight and supervised the second and third seasons of the song-driven comedy Young Rock. His future work includes Lionsgate's action feature Shadow Force, as well as Secret Invasion and Loki Season 2, as well as Ironheart. Before joining Format, Martin was part of All Three Media, America's in-house music supervision team where he worked on unscripted projects. Martin began his career in the music industry, working with record labels and promotional companies on a variety of album releases for gold and multi-platinum artists. So what do we know about the artist and the song outside of Needle Drops? Holding Out for a Hero was recorded by Welsh singer Bonnie Tyler for the soundtrack to the 1984 film Footloose. It was later featured on her sixth studio album, Secret Dreams and Forbidden Fire, released in 1986. The song was a top 40 hit in several European countries, as well as Canada and the United States. Its 1985 re-release in the UK reached number two, remaining there for three weeks and topped the singles chart in Ireland. Tyler re-released recordings of the song in 2004 and 2011, And in 2013, she recorded a parody of the song for use in a Children in Need fundraising campaign. Again, offering my support to the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild during their strikes. Sounds like uh, David Zaslav of WB, HBO, Max, whatever you want to call that conglomerate, um, is prepared to hold out the strike until January. It is September. Um, That's a long time. And writers specifically have been striking since early May. Uh, Actors have been striking since July. That's a lot of time and money that he would be costing these people who voluntarily are on strike. Um, However, he's doing it so he can make more money himself. So again... The greed of the studios and their executives knows no bounds, and I am wishing all the best for our writers and actors as they continue their strike for better wages, fairer terms of contracts, etc., etc. 
So who are the characters in this show? Tom Hiddleston plays Loki, Thor's adopted brother and the god of mischief based on the North mythological deity of the same name. This is an alternate time variant version of Loki who created a new timeline in Avengers Endgame beginning in 2012. Because of this, he has not gone through the events of Thor the Dark World or Thor Ragnarok, which reformed the previously villainous character before his death in Avengers Infinity War. Gugu Mbatha-Ra is Ravana Renslayer, the former TVA hunter A23, who rose from the ranks to become a respected judge, and she oversees the Loki variant investigation. Owen Wilson is here as Mobius M. Mobius, an agent of the TVA who specializes in the investigations of particularly dangerous time criminals. Wanmi Mosaku, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, is Hunter B-15, a high-ranking hunter of the TVA determined to stop the variant that has been killing Minutemen troops. Sophia DiMartino is Sylvie, a variant of Loki who is attacking the sacred timeline and has enchantment powers. She, we later learn, does not consider herself to be a Loki, using the name Sylvie as an alias. Sarah Lane is Hunter C-20, a TVA hunter kidnapped and enchanted by Sylvie to reveal the location of the timekeepers. And Tara Strong, Miss Tommy Pickles, Bubbles herself, is Miss Minutes. Miss Minutes is an animated anthropomorphic clock mascot of the TVA. So we're kind of doing this less, you know, we already did a a TV series and it was pretty easy to stick to a song per episode for those three episodes that we discussed. Um, But because I love Loki so much and the music that they chose for these needle drops, We're going to cover this one a little bit different. Um, This episode that we are listening to right now is going to be all of episode one of Loki and until the needle drops. So the cold open of episode two of Loki. So a little bit more than one episode. So if you didn't watch episode one in your prep, feel free to pause, come back after you've rewatched episode one, or you can rely on my recap. Then next week, we will start with what happens after the credits and go through until the first needle drop of episode three. So again, kind of a similar flow, and then we'll figure it out after that. But that that is the current plan. The IMDb summaries of these two episodes, Loki, the god of mischief, finds himself out of time and in an unusual place and forced against his godly disposition to cooperate with others. Mobius puts Loki to work, but not everyone at the Time Variance Authority is thrilled about the god of mischief's presence. Going beat by beat, we find Loki in 2012 New York having just been arrested by the Avengers for bringing the Chitari to attack Earth. Only this is when Ant-Man and Tony Stark are attempting to get the Tesseract during the time heist in Avengers Endgame. When the Tesseract is knocked loose by a situation with the Hulk, Loki grabs it and teleports away from New York. In the Gobi Desert, Loki ends up falling into the sand after materializing in midair and falling. 
Several local tribesmen approach him, and Loki gets up on a rock and declares who he is. A portal opens, and three TVA police, aka Minutemen, come through. They find the nearby Tesseract, and Loki goes over and tells them not to touch it. Another officer, who we learn is Hunter B-15, comes through and declares Loki a variant. B-15 arrests Loki on behalf of the TVA for crimes against the sacred timeline. Loki is not impressed and tells them it's their last chance. B-15 hits him in the mouth with her baton, which slows him down to 1 16th speed and puts a collar on him. When Loki collapses, the officers pick him up and B-15 tells the other officer to reset the timeline. As he plants a reset charge and activates it, B-15 picks up the Tesseract and takes Loki to the TVA base. Loki tries to run, but B-15 uses a remote in the collar it controls to reset Loki back to where he was. He tries to run again, and B-15 brings him right back. B-15 leads him off and shoves him into a cell with a robot. The robot disintegrates Loki's Asgardian clothing, and then a trap door opens him into an office below. As he falls, Loki is clothed in a gray jumpsuit, and another clerk at a desk shoves a pile of paper at Loki and tells him to verify it's everything he has ever said. Loki signs the papers, falls through another trap door, and a clerk has Loki testify that he's an organic being and possesses a soul. Once Loki does, the clerk tells him to move through an archway that will melt him from the inside if he is in fact a robot. Please confirm to your knowledge that you are not a fully robotic being. We're born an organic creature and do in fact possess what many cultures would call a soul. What? To my knowledge? Do a lot of people not know if they're robots? Thank you for your confirmation. Please move through. The archway takes a picture of Loki's temporal aura, and a guard tells Loki to take a ticket. As Loki moves through the barriers, an animated presentation with Miss Minutes tells him that he's at the TVA and it's her job to catch Loki up before he stands trial for his crimes. She explains that there was a multiversal war and hundreds of warring timelines, and then three timekeepers reorganized the universe into a single timeline, the sacred timeline. Yes, I do feel a need to imitate Miss Minutes in her southern accent. Now the timekeepers preserve the proper flow of time for everyone and everything, but quote, variants veer off the created path, people like Loki. They create nexus events, which could lead to another multiversal war. In a church in, this is French and I'm going to butcher it, but I'm trying my hardest. Aix-en-Provence, France, in 1549, TVA agent Mobius examines several dead Minutemen. Another Minuteman informs Mobius that when they arrive to investigate a nexus event, someone killed them. Mobius notes that the stab wounds appear consistent with other stab wounds on dead Minutemen and the reset charge is gone. A Minuteman notes it's the sixth attack in the last week and a local boy comes in. Mobius approaches the boy and asks him if he saw who killed the Minutemen. The boy points at a nearby stained glass window showing the devil and Mobius says that the devil is afraid of them and they'll put the boy back where he belongs. The boy smiles, revealing blue teeth, and Mobius asks what caused it. In response, the boy takes out a stick of blue gum, and Mobius realizes the devil gave it to the boy. The Minuteman warns Mobius the timeline is near Redline and they have to go. 
Mobius has the boy go outside, and as the Minutemen set a reset charge, a clerk portals in and shows Mobius the file on Loki, saying Mobius will want to see it. B-15 brings Loki into a courtroom, and Judge Ravonna Renslayer says that he's charged with numerous sequence violations. Loki says that a god doesn't plead, and says that the Avengers are the one who traveled through time. Mobius comes in and takes a seat in the back, as Loki tells Ravana that she should give him a task force to go after the Avengers. Ravana says that the Avengers did what was supposed to happen, and Loki escaping was not according to the Timekeepers. Loki says that he should talk to the Timekeepers, but Ravana says that they're busy dictating the proper flow of time. When he tries to teleport away, Loki discovers that his powers don't work. Ravana tells him that magic powers don't work in the TVA, finds him guilty, and sentences him to be reset. As the Minutemen take Loki away, Mobius approaches the bench. Ravana warns Mobius that what he's thinking is a bad idea, and if anything goes sideways, it's on him. Mobius and Loki take an elevator down, and Mobius introduces himself. Mobius explains that he's taking Loki somewhere they can talk, and they both know that Loki loves to talk. But you do like to lie, which you just did. We both know you love to talk. Talky, talky. Mobius gets a baton from a guard and leads Loki into a time theater. Loki tries to attack Mobius, and Mobius uses the remote to move Loki back to where he started. Mobius has Loki sit down and then explains that he specializes in the pursuit of dangerous variants, and Loki is not one of them. If Loki answers his questions honestly, maybe Mobius can give Loki something he wants. Mobius plays a film of some of Loki's, quote, greatest hits. The agent points out that for someone, quote, born to rule, Loki sure loses a lot. It might even be in his nature. When Loki notes that he killed Coulson, Mobius reminds him that the Avengers united to avenge Coulson's death at Loki's hands. Mobius asks Loki if he enjoys hurting people, and Loki insists he's a liberator. Loki asks Mobius what he wants, and Mobius says he wants Loki to be honest about why he does what he does. Unimpressed, Loki says the TVA is an illusion, conjured by the weak to inspire fear. Loki insists that his choices are his own, and Mobius shows Loki a clip of him dominating a crowd in Berlin. Loki insists that when he has ultimate power, it will be because of what he did, not because it was supposed to happen or because the TVA allowed it to happen. Mobius explains that if Loki hadn't reacquired the Tesseract, he would have been taken to a cell on Asgard. The agent explains that the TVA can see Loki's future, and in the film it shows Loki's mother Frigga confronting Loki and then Loki sending the Dark Elves after her. Loki insists that Mobius is lying, and Mobius tells Loki that it's the proper flow of time, and it happens again and again. He asks Loki again if he enjoys hurting people, and Loki throws his chair in fury. Mobius then tells Loki that he was born to cause pain and suffering and death, and that's how it will always be, so that others can achieve their best versions of themselves. B-15 comes in and asks Mobius what he's doing. Mobius says that he's doing his job, and she says that they have a situation. Mobius tells Loki to stay put and leaves with B-15. Outside, B-15 tells Mobius that taking the variant was a mistake. 
She says that they've lost another Minuteman unit and Mobius goes back in to discover that Loki has escaped and stole the time rewinder remote from him. Mobius B-15 and a squad of Minutemen search for Loki. Loki rewinds back to the time theater after a few hijinks around the TVA and rewinds the film of his life to the point where Frigga dies. He then finds his future where he and Thor meet Odin and then further to where he and Thor join forces. Loki then plays the moment of his death when Thanos kills him. Mobius returns to the time theater and tells Loki that there's nowhere left for him to run. Loki figures that he can't go back to his timeline and says that he doesn't enjoy hurting people, but he does it because he has to. It's part of the illusion, a desperate play for control. Mobius figures Loki doesn't know himself and says that he doesn't see Loki as a villain. I don't enjoy hurting people. I don't enjoy it. I do it because I have to, because I've had to. Okay, explain that to me. Because it's part of the illusion. It's the cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear. The desperate play for control. You do know yourself. A villain. That's not how I see it. Loki notes that the Tesseract is useless in the TVA, and Mobius says that he can offer Loki something better than salvation. Mobius explains that a variant has been killing their Minutemen and he needs Loki to help stop the variant. When Loki wonders why, Mobius tells him that the variant they're hunting is also a Loki. Episode 1 ends with Minutemen on a hunt for the Loki variant in a field. A hooded figure in the distance uses a reset charge to set fire to the field and escape the Minutemen through a time door. Episode 2 picks up at a Renaissance Fair in 1985, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Several Minutemen emerge from a time portal and scan the area. A woman at the fair asks what's going on and points out that they're not dressed right. The Minutemen ignore her and detect the variant in a nearby tent and approach it. The four Minutemen go inside and music, our fantastic 1980s needle drop, booms out of the loudspeakers. The commander, C-20, removes her helmet and attacks the other three, and the variant mind-controlling her aids her. The commander drops unconscious while fighting one minute man, and the variant comes up behind him and stabs him to death with a sword. The variant then uses the Minutemen's own equipment to open a portal and leaves taking the unconscious C-20 hostage. So how does the song relate to the characters and the show? 
Holding Out for a Hero is a song about the journey of a hero and the need for a strong and dependable leader amongst chaos and uncertainty. An article with Fatherly calls the use of the song in Loki, quote, a period-specific piece that is used subversively while a TVA soldier is puppeteered into murderous acts by a mysterious magical villain. Continuing, quote, we're supposed to be a little creeped out by its use here. CBR called Holding Out for a Hero the superhero song of summer 2021, going on to say while Total Eclipse of the Heart is actually the biggest tune of Bonnie Tyler's career, Holding Out for a Hero became a familiar action scene anthem after Footloose put it on the map. Continuing, the song's use in Loki is a good use of irony. The song asks for a true hero to sweep her off her feet, and Tyler's lyrics bring up Superman and Hercules as examples for her dream hero to aspire to. Loki's never been all bad, as he says, but he'd find it dull to be a pure hero, too. It's not likely he, nor the variant, about to kill the arriving TVA Minutemen squad, would care to be the hero of Bonnie Tyler's dreams. In yet another article, Inverse said of the needle drop, quote, perfect, given the when and where of the scene, because it suggests the, quote, hero of the series isn't Loki at all, at least the version of him we've been following to this point. With its lyrics about a helpless damsel seeking a hero ringing out as the variant Loki makes a grand entrance. Holding out for a hero can only mean one thing. This variant Loki is the real hero of the story. Verse 1. Loki is the god of mischief. It's safe to assume his variants are also gods of mischief. Although gods of mischief aren't quite white knights, Loki has proven himself in battle, even this version of Loki, when fighting the frost giants in the first Thor film. Chorus. Throughout our time with Loki, including the times that this variant has not been around for, Loki has emerged as more of an anti-hero than an actual villain. Although this version of Loki comes straight off his stint of villainy, he's seen what the sacred timeline Loki became and he knows he is capable of more. Verse 2.
anti-hero Loki is just beyond our reach. He also knows it's just beyond his reach. But we see throughout the series that this version of Loki is still capable of becoming the anti-hero and not the villain that we know him to be. Bridge. As we progress through the series, it becomes clear that the variant Loki we're hunting is always one step ahead of the TVA. Like, she's watching them watch her. Another song I think could have been used is You Give Love a Bad Name by Bon Jovi. You Give Love a Bad Name is by American rock band Bon Jovi, and it was released as the first single from their 1986 album Slippery When Wet. The song is about a woman who has jilted her lover, and the song reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 on November 29, 1986, and became the band's first number one hit. In 2007, the song re-entered the charts at number 29 after Blake Lewis performed it on American Idol. The tune of You Give Love a Bad Name was originally recorded by Bonnie Tyler. Ever heard of her? Under the title, If You Were a Woman and I Was a Man, with different lyrics commissioned by its producer, Jim Steinman. Dissatisfied with its success in the U.S. and the U.K., which he attributed to reticence on the part of her label in promoting it, Desmond Child rewrote the song with John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora. The song was used in Guitar Hero 5, episodes of Family Guy, 30 Rock, and The Vampire Diaries. It placed number 20 on VH1's list of the 100 best hard rock songs. Verse 1. Heaven, hell, Loki's a god. Asgard is heavenly. Yeah? Loki's passion is causing mischief. It can definitely be called his prison as it keeps him firmly on the side of villain and anti-hero versus full-on hero. Chorus. While we're definitely here in the Loki series, it should be acknowledged that Thor and Loki love each other. They were raised as brothers. However, we saw last week in Ragnarok, sacred timeline Loki constantly chooses mischief to the point that Thor is no longer sure Loki is capable of becoming more. We see that he is when he shows up on the Bifrost Bridge with Korg and other escapees from the Grandmaster's arena. But is this Loki variant and the other Loki variant that we're hunting... Are they capable of more? Verse 2. 
Well, we learn about this Loki variant, or later we learn she calls herself Sylvie, is that while she's been able to meet people throughout her time travels, she has yet to form any real connections or fall in love with anyone on a deep level. Other media holding out for a hero has been used for and or covers of the song. It has been used and covered a lot, so we're just going to cover some brief highlights. Including, in 2004, Jennifer Saunders covered the song for DreamWorks animated film Shrek 2, where the fairy godmother sings it in the film's climax, which is where I think 99% of millennials and Gen Z are familiar with it from. In 2021, the song was noted for its appearances in a trailer for Masters of the Universe Revelation, a trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy video game, and in the second episode of the Disney Plus series Loki, all of which premiered in the same week, and like I mentioned earlier, garnered it the title of Superhero Song of Summer 2021. (laughs) The song was also used in two separate video game films this year, 2023, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and Tetris. In Tetris, it appears twice in the form of Japanese and Russian covers of the song. It was also used in 2023 Shazam! Fury of the Gods as a lady's car is playing the song. It begins to plunge off a bridge. Captain Marvel, no relation to the MCU in this particular case, catches the car. Holding Out for a Hero has also been used as a lip sync song on two different franchises of Drag Race, at least that I've watched to this point in time. U.S. Season 9, Episode 3 in 2017, Aja vs. Kimora Black, this is the original by Bonnie Tyler, and most recently a cover by Adam Lambert was used in Drag Race Down Under Season 3, Episode 3. An article in Collider ranked the best uses of Holding Out for a Hero in media, including the U.S. Drag Race lip sync coming in at number nine. Footloose, the song it was literally made for, comes in at number six. This use in Loki comes in at number five. Euphoria at number two. Wait, is this fucking play about us? And Shrek 2 comes in at number one. And if you've been anywhere on the internet in the past six years or so, it has been used in many a fan edit for Star Wars. Specifically, I've seen it most used for Ben Solo, formerly known as Kylo Ren, coming to Rey's rescue in the most recent Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker. But I did see that it has been used for other Star Wars fan edits. So how did the needle drop affect the song? Holding Out for a Hero peaked at number one on Billboard's U.S. Top TV Songs in June 2021 after it was used three times in one week, including this use in Loki. Next week's song, Demons by Hayley Kiyoko, used in episode three of Loki, also made the chart, but we'll dive more into that next week. In June 2021, Hero boasted 4.5 million U.S. on-demand streams and 4,000 downloads, according to MRC data, in an article from The Hollywood Reporter. That's all for today. Join me next time when I geek out over another needle drop. Leave a rating and review if you are so inclined, and let me know what song you want playing over the loudspeakers at the Renaissance Fair while you kick some serious ass. I'd like to take a minute to thank 
a couple of people that have helped me out in the podcast these first 11 episodes. Kate, Vicky, and John have been super, super helpful and so supportive, and I just wanted to shout them out. If you would like to be part of a shout out in the future, be sure to visit my podcast page on Spotify and leave me a voice message. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to answer the question. You can also visit my podcast page on Spotify, link in the show notes, and leave me a voice message with any theories or ideas of why songs were used in different things, and I will play them in the next episode. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram, at Needle Drops Podcast. We also have a TikTok now, at Needle Drops Podcast. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Francis. Social media support also provided by me. Thank you for listening, and please don't forget to share needle drops that will change your life with someone in your life that you think would appreciate it. If you are feeling extra generous, I would love, 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 love if you would leave a rating and review of my podcast on whichever platform you prefer. Word of mouth and reviews really help new podcasts. I'll see you next time. Thank you.